0: Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for the modern architect.
1: KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at KZSU.org.
2: From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal
1: of Accurate, Tom DiOrio. Thank you, Charlotte, for our guest today. Please welcome Mr. Dale Cobbin, CEO and managing partner of Brand Positioning Doctors, a specialized brand building and brand positioning firm that focus exclusively on developing a laser sharp, I like that word laser, laser sharp brand architecture and positioning. Over many years, they provided a proven system with a real world know-how that helped companies build strong, distinctive brands. For more information, feel free to visit www.brandpositioningdoctors.com dot com that's brand dot com hello daryl i'm truly honored to have you on our show today thank you very much
3: hello tom thank you very much i am equally maybe even more honored i have been looking forward to this for quite some time oh
1: let's let let's let's uh, punch a hole in the sky with this show daryl can you share with us some of your early inspirations for if you can look back as far as you can for what what it is that you do now how you may have seen yourself in the past doing it and, and kind of tie them in together. Cause I, I just don't think you've been as accomplished as you have just, just kind of sprung out of the air. And maybe you have, but share with us some of your early inspirations.
3: I'd be happy to do do that. Um, uh, you. Let me first say that I may be one of the luckiest people walking the planet. I recognize that I just found myself in this place and I am tickled that I'm here. But one of my, Early inspirations uh, was actually when I was a kid, and I happened to be watching TV, and in my day, we actually watched TV, Tom. There was none of this phone, <laughs> and that it. kind of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, pads, it, was, it was a TV, a proper TV. Enveloped in wood, I may <laughs> You're right, uh,
1: it was uh, in wood. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I'm dating myself now. No, but it was true.
3: Now. Yeah. And I'm watching this ad by the Coca-Cola company of Mean Joe Green that are coming into the tunnel, sees a young, now we're talking about a large, fearsome Mean Joe Green African-American man looking at a small, eight, nine-year-old white young man. And he gives the jersey to this young man and this young man gives Mean Joe Green a (laughs) Coca-Cola. And I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking to myself, first, Mean Joe Green is never drinking a Coke after a game. That's not happening. (laughs) However, what it taught me is that you can rise beyond a product, capture a moment to define and memorialize a brand. And that was a powerful thing for me. I was curious about, Why did they do that? How did they come up with that? And I now think differently about Coca-Cola. That was the first time that I was captivated by branding. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but that was my initial inspiration.
1: Daryl, it makes me want a coke night right now. And you're talking about how many years ago was that if you can recall? That's oh, 30 plus. Oh
3: my. We're, yeah, we're talking we're talking more than 30 years. So more than 30 years easy.
1: Yeah, so that was what uh, obviously influenced you, but I can t- I can feel it in you. That it, it really still resonates to this day. So, you segue to to now. Is that something that you, by design, always want to do with your existing clients or with a brand, is to resonate at a visceral level their desire, want, or understanding of a product or a service?
3: It's it's absolutely what my business partners and I work to do with our many clients on a daily basis. Here's the trick. Many of our clients, and I presume this to be the case amongst architects as well, Tom are in love with their products, and they should be. They are in love with what they have constructed, what they've built. Here's the unfortunate piece about that: they're so in love with their product, oftentimes, Tom, that they forget to build the brand around the product. Let me, let me explain what I what, what I mean by this. At the moment, in the world of architecture, I'm not an architect, so my business partner and I, we are marketing strategists. But I know the name Frank Lloyd Wright. That's not just a name, it's a brand. And when that name is mentioned, it conjures up what the product may look like. Another example, in the area of headphones, we are each wearing headphones right now. The unparalleled leader, sonically, is the brand Bose in terms of product. But they're not the best brand in the space right now. The best brand in the space is Beats. Mm-hmm with a product that is not as good. So the challenge we find and the inspiration we have today is helping people who are in love with their products build a brand that connects at an emotional level, not just an intellectual level.
1: Yeah. Now, now, Daryl, to do that, at least in my opinion, and if I'm out of turn, let me know, please, requires your own sort of reflection and introspection at some level. Do you think so?
3: Without question, it requires one to find out what is it that makes the product special and then ladder up above that. So you don't ignore what makes the product special. You take that to catapult to a higher level. And this is not easy to do, by the way, Tom. Oh, uh, no, it sounds difficult.
1: exhausting, actually.
3: Can be. Can <laughs> be. <if> you don't <laughs> okay. have to process
1: Oh, yeah. Speaking of that process, do you have a set process or do your partners also have a shared or collaborative process that you go through to take a brand who, like you said, that's in love with their product, but that's not reflective of their prospective clients or buyers?
3: Great question, Tom. Yeah, we do have a process and I'm going to use an analog. You're fine, Tom. I like lots of analogies, (laughs) but here's an analog I'll use to describe our process. Some people, Tom, will say that uh, Sir Isaac Newton is the father of gravity. He's not. He just happened to look at gravity and give it a formula. Gravity had been around long before was <laughs> <right>. born. <laughs> yeah, it'll be around long after he has been gone. It's going to be here. Gravity is a thing, but but the formula was his. We, My business partners and I, Tom, we have been evaluating brands for thousands and thousands of hours, and we have noticed something where we have developed a formula, and the formula is this. When you, Tom, or anyone else looks at any kind of a brand or marketing, there are four things that go through your mind, whether you know it or not. First is this, Tom. You think about, who uses this brand? That's how you'll make a decision about the brand. Second time is you'll think, what's the category that this brand plays in? What do I compare it to? Third way you look at it is, is there some analog that I can use as a shorthand to attach to this brand? And then finally, and fourth, the question that you then ask yourself is, what's the benefit that I get? from engaging or using this brand. These are the four ways that the human mind deconstructs and connects with brands. Our process is to walk our clients through each one of those to help them define what makes their brand special. So that's our process, Tom.
1: It sounds simple, and I've taken the the four of them. But at least in my opinion, those are very loaded and require a tremendous amount of insight, <laughs> vision, and foresight to see the brand from their perspective. It's almost a uh, kind of spiritual. <laughs> if I'm out of oh, line, tell like me I'm it. not. But just uh, that's just what I'm taking from 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 hearing and listening. Is, is it inaccurate or it just seems so loaded? Even though there are four principles, they're just loaded. And how do you get? How did you get to that loaded four? All
3: right, well, I'm chuckling because I agree with you 100. I'm going to use another quote here. I'm going to butcher it, so please just go with me here as I sure. butcher this thing. But Mark Twain had a had a quote, something about apologizing to one person that he wrote a letter to. He said, "If he had more time, it would have been shorter." <laughs> the point was that when you think deeply about something, you can then simplify it. So you are exactly right. To get to those four, each of them is loaded. Each of them is loaded. You mentioned the word spiritual, and we agree. It is spiritual when you craft this statement in this fashion. And the reason why uh, I like the word, we've never used the word before, but I really like the word, is because human beings make decisions for emotional reasons and then use logic to rationalize the emotional decision. Brands capture people on an emotional, visceral level. It makes it easier for one to make a decision when one is constructing a 50,000-square-foot building, office, mixed residential and office. They're not just thinking about who can technically do it the best. They're thinking, what brand of architecture firm do I want on this project? What brands do I want in the building? What brands do I want to adorn the kitchen? It's all about the brand, and it is spiritual. I agree.
1: Okay, I I, I was reaching over there. I, I thought so, and it really is to me. And before we uh, we got on air, Darrell, I had talked about, and I'm going to say his name, and I may butcher his name, but Le Corbusier, Corbusier one of the world-famous architects of the world. He has a quote here, and it says, The next... Revolutionary moment in architecture has arrived. But to realize its potential, we have to sell it. Le Caborsier, what's your thought on that?
3: First, love the quote. Second, while I do not know the gentleman, uh, I agree. <laughs> Third, the reason why I agree is because there are more and more architects and architectural firms that are launching every day. At some point, One will have to ask the question, and it's being asked right now, what's the difference between them all? And the difference is going to be in the ability to sell it. And we would submit that in order to sell it at its best, there has to be a distinct brand positioning. So love the quote.
1: Along the lines of what you just said or shared with our, our audience, can you explain some of the experiences you've had with some clients to kind of take them from the, I'll make an extreme case, take it from a, we don't know why we called on you, Daryl and company, but we think we need Mm -hmm. this kind of help, but we don't know how to do it or how to, what to do. How do you kind of take them from that place to where they are experiencing, you know, what they truly wanted, not what they thought they wanted.
3: Mm -hmm. Great, great question. So, Tom, I'll answer that question and I won't divulge the name of a specific client because they they prefer to keep that information confidential, but I can give you an example and walk you through what, what we've done. So there was one client that we had in particular who they are convinced, Tom, that they have a superior product to their competitors. Okay. Absolutely convinced. Unfortunately, their market share does not align with the quality of product that they believe they have. So there was a bit of confusion and consternation as to, given that our product is far superior to our competitors, why do they dwarf us in terms of market share? So in that case, we believe that it was because their competitors had a better brand, not a better product. So our process, Tom, was to first honor and respect what was great about their product. So we went through and listed all of the things that makes the product special, what that makes it unique, that provides functionality that is superior to its competitors, all of that. This gets our clients comfortable because they want, to, they want to cling to their product. And then we start to walk them through a series of questions that allow them to arrive at something higher. For example, We might ask them a question. So if one engaged with your brand, what would they get out of it functionally? What would the brand do for them? And they would answer a series of questions that we take them through. Then we'll ask them another question, Tom. We'll say, and so ideally, if one were engaging with the brand at its best, how would they feel, Tom? Would they be excited? Would they be more confident? Would they, would they feel smarter? And then we'd ask another question: If the brand were walking down the street, Tom, and you were ascribing personality attributes to the brand as if it were a human being, not an inanimate object, but a human being, what would you? How would you describe the brand? Yeah. And then words would come out like uh, welcoming, warm, strong, bold. It just depends on the brand. And then finally, Tom, we help our clients then ladder all of that up to say. If you wrapped up all of these features, these functional benefits, emotional benefits and personality in just a few words, Tom, how would you describe the essence of this brand? And that's where we get to the magic piece or to use your word, the spiritual piece. yeah And so this, this is what this is what we've done with one client in particular We do this with all clients, but the one I'm thinking about really love their product.
1: Yeah, you know, there's so many points you touched on here that uh, definitely give us more than enough to go on. Touch on that honor and respect. I like how you said that, that honor and respect your prospective client, because obviously they don't know what you know, and they probably don't know what they don't know, and you still come into them with honor and respect. Can you share with us, you know, why that's so vital for you? Or at least it it was a, a strong point.
3: Thank you, Tom. There are things that I often hear, and when I hear it, I go, wow, now that's powerful. I wonder how that can be used in our business. And one of the things that I've heard is this. People don't care what you're talking about until they know that you care. I I love that quote. And to put that into our business is that our clients don't really care what our processes are, what our methodologies are or what our level of experience may be regarding their brand and their product until they know we care about their product. So we go in honoring and listening, not just with our ears, but with our eyes. We listen for what is meant, not just what is said. We do that because it engenders trust. Once we have established the trust, then they will let go a little bit to allow us to bring them to a different place. So we, in essence, meet them on one side of the river, grab their hand, get inside of a, of a canoe, and take them to the other side. <laughs> unless they trust us, Tom, they're not getting on the, on, in that canoe, and we need them to get in the
1: canoe. Yeah, that, that word trust is really strong. I mean, really, if, if you get there, that in itself is an art, a science, and a care. How did you develop that level of care? Because I think that care transcends just professional, not professionalism, but to being a professional. It transcends it, and maybe uh, you might disagree, but I think it might be maybe, from your perspective, even more important, that care, that level of care for your clients or your prospects.
3: I have to tell you, Tom, I I did not expect to say what I'm about to say, and you are a fabulous interviewer as a result of this. But I'll tell you where this is. It came from from me. My mother, may she rest in peace, was a secretary in Detroit. She wanted to do something for people that she thought did not have a voice in the city government in Detroit and the state of Michigan. So she started to volunteer politically. And I want to be very clear, this is not going to be a story about political leanings, but it's going to be about care. Your question. She started doing that. She would stuff envelopes, Tom, and I as a kid, and I have a younger sibling, would go with her, and she would make us do it, and I would stop and say, Mom, are we being paid for this? And my mother would say, no, we're not. No, we're not, honey. We're not. But this is important, and it's more valuable than money, so we're going to do it. So long story short, my mother went on from being a secretary and then volunteering to being the First African American female president of the Detroit Public School Board. She became an international vice president for a company that was based in Detroit. And she taught me, not by her words, Tom, but by her actions, that it's important to care for people. And it's even more important to care for people who don't know something that they need to know. Outstanding. I, I think that's where this came from for me.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely reflective in uh, who you are as a as a person and, and as a company. Thank you for sharing that. We're I'm honored to, for, that you shared that. I really, I mean that sincerely. Yeah. Staying on the care—that's such a strong foundation. It sounds like you literally took it to the street. I'm quoting a Doobie Brother tune, but you took it to the street, and it it just it just grew into a movement that changed people's lives for the better. And. Am I incorrect in that, or
3: what we have found? Thankfully, Tom, I'm. Uh, you hear me knocking on wood now, and one of my business partners, as you know, Tom Larry, is sitting with you. We have had countless numbers of people who, after we have gone through our process, which is a two day process, on the other side of it, Tom, say we've never thought about brands like this in the way that you are helping us think about brands. We did not know some of the things that you all are sharing with us, and we will never look at brands the same way again, not just the brand that we have been hired to work on, but they will not look at branding generally in the same way again. And some of them during the process, because we take care in how we walk through the process, it's oftentimes, Tom, more important for us to have a staunch detractor as we walk through the process someone who thinks this is a bunch of bs i don't have time for this at the beginning and then to see them get an epiphany during the session and come out of it being an advocate for brand building it's because of the care that we use through the process and dare i say some of them might have a spiritual experience like a brandy spiritual awakening
1: Outstanding. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Operation USA
2: helps communities across the nation and around the world deal with disasters, disease, and poverty by providing privately funded relief and other aid. The organization's philosophy is to offer material and financial assistance to grassroots organizations that can help with sustainable development, education, and health services. More than 97% of the money donated to Operation USA goes to its programs. If you'd like to donate,
1: please visit opusa.org. We're talking today with Daryl Cobbin. CEO and managing partner of Brand Positioning Doctors. For more information, you can visit www.brandpositioningdoctors.com. That's Brand Positioning Doctors.com. Daryl, you said we address our detractors, those who think have a preconceived idea of what you may or may not be mostly in in the negative before they meet you. Are you prepared with that before you meet somebody that is new or a new prospective client that they may have a negative view of uh, what you do, what you may not do and why they even called you?
3: Not only are we prepared, we expect it. And even before the sessions, we invite that we do not just do our work with marketing professionals. There's a, there's a quote by Larry and I and Jeff, one of our old bosses. The quote is this: I don't know where it derives, but I, I will say that the quote came from. Uh, I heard it from my boss, a gentleman by the name of Sergio Zeman. And the quote is this: um, "Marketing is too important to be left to the marketers."
1: Oh yes, yeah, it's too important to be yeah. left to the marketers. So, it, in essence, that's yeah. saying that it, the whole company is responsible at some level.
3: Absolutely. And therefore, Tom, we it, we encourage that CFOs or finance experts come to our sessions. Sales, operations, IT, etc. We don't just do this work with marketing people. And typically, there will be folks in some of the other functions who are in in no way excited about the prospect of being in a room with me and Larry and Jeff for two days walking through this process. I I have to say uh, at the beginning of our our sessions is that when I was in their seats and someone would say to me, hey, DC, we'd like you to come and do this workshop for two days on Brandy. I said, Tom, I'd rather have a sharp number two pencil lodged into my retina before I go sit in a two-day deal. But uh, nevertheless... Some of the detractors, they don't know what they don't know, Tom. So they will come in and they will think, listen, all we need to do is figure out how to refine the product, how we make more of it, how we get more distribution, how we reduce costs in order to raise the margin and the profits of our product. They will come in thinking that. They will leave going, hmm, if we're going to grow market share… And we're going to have a higher long-term value (LTV) for this customer. We got to have a stronger brand. So we invite it. We like having detractors.
1: I love that you said. Interesting. That is it? LTV, Life,
3: LTV, yeah.
1: Lifetime.
3: Lifetime value.
1: Yeah. Share with us yeah. th- th- that value, yeah. that, vi- that vision and and uh, to take those who I, I like that they don't know what they don't know from that state to. Understanding that the lifetime value of this is not just whatever they invest in this process, but what do they re, what do they get out of it tangibly and intangibly? And you share with us what it's like when they experience that. Like, ah, I get it.
3: I'm going to give an example here, and uh, Larry, who's with you now, he's going to chuckle at this because he he actually heard it first. Right? He, he heard he heard it with me. So one of our clients, again, won't will we'll make the name, but they were not in the they were not in the branding space, not at all. But they have a great product. At the beginning of our process, they were skeptical. Dare I even say possibly suspicious. Like, it's just <laughs> like really going to be worth our time. Worth our time. they ended it, this particular individual, ended it as one of the most ardent supporters, so much so that when he and team visited Las Vegas, he had his team stand out in front of the Forever 21 retail store. To look at the people going in and out so he could discern with his team who among them are the brand lovers. That's one of our elements. When I talked about the four elements, the user, we call that our nomenclature, Tom, is brand lover. And so he went from being suspicious to being a zealot. And I believe the reason for the, for the epiphany and transition. Is that uh, an evolution? Is that he recognized that just like he had to clearly define the brand lover forever 21, we did the same for his own business, helping them define their brand lover. So that's one example. And now let me go to the tangible outputs. What we put in a, into our clients' hands at the end of our process are three things we give them a brand architecture. So it's interesting. Yeah, here we are on uh, on on this podcast, and you are a. Uh, I, I think I heard Charlotte say an architecture aficionado. Oh yeah, all right, that's an understatement. At, yeah, we, call, <laughs> 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 we our first is an architecture like a like a building. We constructed the foundation and the architecture. Then we the second deliverable Tom is called a statement of meaning of meaningful difference or positioning statement. So that would be the equivalent of once, once the architects architecture for a building is designed, how is it then set up? What goes in the building? So that's a statement of meaningful difference. And then we have a final output that's called a brand activation wheel. And these are all of the touch points that are used to touch a consumer, a person, or a customer that will get them to have an impression about the brand. So those are the three different deliverables. Architecture, statement of meaningful difference, and activation wheel.
1: Excellent. Now, just understanding this from your interview, Daryl, what would it be like if you can envision an architect student gets licensed, they're licensed to practice architecture, and before they started, they actually went to, say, for example, you and your company. My opinion is that would be wise. But in your opinion if you you someone who's just been licensed and is an architecture and they 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 don't understand these that's a most architecture school does not teach this just i from my experience they don't teach this wouldn't you think within 3 to 5 years that student who graduated from architecture school who's now licensed to be an architect and has chosen to be say in the commercial sector of architecture if that person had a real understanding of their brand or a brand and found out their true voice, there's another one, I just thought of that, a true voice, their true voice in it, would they not be further ahead than almost every other architect?
3: That was a great point. I think they would be, I'm biased and I'm acknowledging my my bias, I think they would be for the following reasons. First is, they would understand how to frame their own skill set, i.e. their product, in a brand voice, they'd understand what is the brand purpose of me and how does that get articulated over and over again, reinforced by the work that I do. So that's one way they would be able to distinguish themselves from the hordes of other graduates. The second benefit of in some way engaging with us and taking some of our principles and using them in their work is that rather than talking with a prospective client, about their building needs, the function and form, all of which is important. But rather than talking with them exclusively about that, they would ask questions such as this. Let's say it's American Express. I'm making this up. Okay. It's was about to build a new campus or Google. They would say, what is, the, what is your brand purpose? What are the personality attributes that you propagate? And why do you do that? What are some of the emotional benefits that people get out of engaging with your brand, Facebook? Apple, what are some of the functional benefits that make you distinct rather than Samsung? If they ask this series of questions, it will lead to design ideas that will be different than what someone who doesn't ask those questions will create. Hmm. Similarly, because it's coming from a brand perspective, It is, I think, easier to, your your quote nearly at the top of the show, to sell whatever the design is because it's not just function. It's not just form. It's congruent with the very essence of the brand in addition to those things. So I believe, Tom, you are correct. A student would be further along at the five-year mark. And let me just say this. If the student decides at the five-year mark sooner or later, Tom, that they want to launch their own firm, they would be well-served to determine how that firm will be branded, not just based on what their creations are.
1: That really makes sense, especially if we go back to what you talked about with headsets and how one is perceived as one may outsell another, but it's actually not a better product, it sounds you can actually be a good architect, but if you have that brand, your brand is true. I just made that up. Your Or you said your brand voice. If that is true, you may be just a good architect, whereas someone may be a great architect, but that good architect, because that brand is, is true and it's uh, identifiable and it continues to evolve, a good architect can actually outsell a great architect because of that. Is that-
3: every day of the week
1: <laughs> every day of the week yeah. really yeah. wow but that affect you know, yeah that affects the entire you actually can create a whole city because your brand is so big then as an architect yeah because they want yeah. you they want you for they know what you are and who you who you what you stand for that's amazing
3: that is correct that, that is that is correct I, I we get but no, go ahead,
1: Tom. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I keep missing our, our station ID break. So this is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. You belong is an organization that helps mobilize
2: individuals for volunteering and educational opportunities designed to advance international development efforts and promote cross-cultural understanding. Participants have the choice of various immersion placements or shorter expeditions to learn about cross-cultural values and international development issues. For more information, visit ubelong.org, and that is spelled U-B-E-L-O-N-G
1: dot org. We're talking today with Mr. Daryl Cobbins, CEO and managing partner of Brand Positioning Doctors. For more information, feel free to visit www.brandpositioningdoctors.com. That's brand positioning doctors.com. Daryl, that word essence you, you had said a while back, that essence. Can you mm. share with the our audience how you capture or captivate that essence of a brand?
3: I can, Tom. Um, it isn't easy to do. Our process is that we amalgamate uh, a host of different sets of information and in words features, benefits, functional, emotional, personality, an array of different words, Tom. And then we attempt to construct in about, I don't know, a sentence or less what the essence of the brand happens to be. One sentence or less. less. One sentence or less. And here's the reason why the one sentence or less is our belief is that if you get it down to that, and you you walk out of the building where this was created, and you get an eight-year-old on the street, and you say, our brand X is about the, this essence, Why Do you get that? An eight-year-old should say, yeah, I get it. I, I understand that. This is the rigor that we use. Once we've done that, this is an important step, we then – Give that to an agency, and then they come up with a fancy tagline to make it really special. Our work is not uh, to be a tagline. Our work is a strategic summation. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna break here, and I'm gonna go with a real world example. I do not think they will uh, they will mind because it is now consumer facing. But Tom, Thank are you. you familiar with a, a brand? We love this brand. It's called Honest Tea. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, so this is a brand started out in uh, in Maryland. Love that name, Steph. Uh, wonderful CEO of that company. He called himself not CEO but Chief Tea Officer. That's what he called
1: himself. <laughs> he As in
3: T E A. Great, yeah, great, great guy. In any event, um, we we did this work for Honest Tea. We got their essence down to two words. Now. Seth is maniacal about making certain that where the tea comes from is the right place. How the makers, the farmers are treated is respectable, that people are being paid the appropriate amount of money. It's not just a game for him. He is incredibly serious about that. He's also really serious about transparency. So if a consumer wanted to know more about where do you get these teas, and how are they made? Seth makes sure that you can see that. The essence of his brand that we came up with, with two words, Tom, the two words were refreshingly honest. That's it. <laughs> but right. it's now, true. And, and, and At we, least
1: my mind it, it as, a, as a consumer.
3: Yeah. Varies. It happens to be absolutely true. And by the way, authenticity is key here. You can't come up with an essence and then have it fall apart because it's not true. But in, in Seth's, case, Seth's case, in honesty case, it was true. That was an internal piece of work that we did. Tom, it ended up becoming external. It ended up becoming a tagline. That's not our intention, but in this case, it became a, a consumer-facing tagline. But that's an example of two words that can guide a brand. Yeah
1: there's just so much that goes into making it so simple. And a lot of it is just looking at your website and seeing the work you've done for the companies that you've worked with. There's that authenticity. Can you share with us a bit about why that authenticity is so vital to you?
3: I'm going to use an analog again, and I will relate it to the field in which you are an expert. Tom, you could have the best architectural design in the world, Um, it could be stunning in its function, its form and its beauty. But if it's got a crappy foundation, Tom, that sucker's coming down. (laughs) Okay. In the brand world, Tom, authenticity is the foundation. And we, we seek that. We must have that in working with the clients that, that we are fortunate to have. In fact, some of our clients will attempt to tell us that they are authentically doing X. And if we don't see the forensic evidence, if the audio doesn't match the video, we say no, that's not it. It might be something different, but that's not it. So that becomes ground zero for, for us. Authenticity is the is baseline for us. Tom.
1: Outstanding. Darryl, is there anything else you'd like to share with us in our show? I can go on for hours, but our show is an hour. Anything else that we may not have touched on on our show that you'd like to share with the audience?
3: Tom, thanks for asking. And again, thank you very much for allowing me this opportunity. Thank you. You're welcome. I'd like to share another quote that I have come across, but I'm going to change up some words. Here's the quote. Your mindset must arrive at your destination before your life does. Let me say that one more time. Thank you. Your mindset must arrive at your destination before your life does. Here's my twist on that. All right. Your brand must arrive at your destination before your product does. That's my twist. So I'd like to leave your audience with this. Figure out how to build a great brand. Have a good product and strive to do a great product. But if you have to choose between having a great brand and a good product or a great product and a good brand, pick the great brand.
1: Outstanding. Daryl, it's been a true honor having you and, and a pleasure. Thank you very much for being on our, sh- our show. I hope you consider coming back soon. I really do.
3: If you will have me, Tom, and not kick me out of the place, I would absolutely love to do it.
1: Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Daryl. We're honored, sir. Thank you. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom DiOro. Our guest today has been Mr. Daryl Cobbin, CEO and managing partner of Brand Positioning Doctors, a specialized brand building and brand positioning firm that focuses exclusively on developing a laser-sharp brand architecture and positioning. Over many years, they've provided a proven system with real-world know-how that helped companies build strong, distinctive brands. For more information, feel free to visit www.BrandPositioningDoctors.com. That's BrandPositioningDoctors.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities,
2: and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location in California, and is a production of KZSU Radio, 90.1 FM. Today, the recording engineer is Charlotte M. Thornton, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Ashke Hagi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom DiOrio. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews with an S at kzsu.stanford.edu.
0: Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.